Before we start today's episode of the Listen In Podcast covering hidden gem albums from 2017 so far, just wanted to give a big shout to the friends of the pod who are mixing it up with us on Twitter at Listen In Pod. If this is your first time listening to an episode, check us out on there um, and let another music fan know we exist. It, it really helps grow the podcast and, and we love to hear from you. So get at us. Also, Uh, You might have noticed, if you're a recurring listener, that at the end of episodes, we've been doing a little bit of analysis about Game of Thrones as that show goes on through its new season. We do more of that at the end of this episode. After the outro music, Sean and I discuss the new episode of Game of Thrones. If you're worried about spoilers or if you're just not interested in Game of Thrones, then feel free to cut it off after that. But if you like Thrones, uh, there's a little bit of something for you after the episode. So check it out if you're interested. And let's start the show. Welcome to another episode of the Listen In Podcast, the only music podcast by music listeners. For music For listeners. music listeners, by music listeners. So if you listen to the post-show listeners, you'll hear Sean saying he was going to bust out our tagline. <laughs> And that I just fumbled. Yeah, didn't didn't land on your feet. <laughs> no, no. That's all right. Though. And the reason for that, Jake, is because I was looking at history in 1985 because yeah. we are on episode 85. What, what do you got? Let's reverse the okay, order. Okay, yeah, I like that. Okay, so in 1985, Reagan started his second term. Uh, we Are the World was, was written. The 80s seemed to be a time where people did a lot of those charitable songs that aren't actually very good songs. Those two things, like, the, just actually those two phrases, Reagan enters second term, we are the world is produced, Th- that alone, those two things encapsulate 80s arrogance. Yeah. That's just the epitome yeah. of, like, 80s American, everything's weirdly pastel-colored arrogance. <laughs> and then uh, the Unabomber was a thing. I still don't totally know what that was all about. Uh, nor do I. Uh, I just know it's a reference point. Right. So, you know, 80s doing 80s things. Uh, what do we have for big music releases in 1985? 1985 gave us uh, Psycho Candy by the Jesus and Mary Chain. Mm. Something I've never listened to, Me but either. an album that sounds really cool. Yeah. Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. Rain Dogs by Tom Waits. Meet is Murder by The Smiths. No Jacket Required by Phil Collins. Mm. We're getting very, very 80s. Let me see if I can so find 80s. it. So 80s. Ooh, how about this one, Sean? Invasion of Your Privacy by Rat. How's wow. that one? We're getting into, dude. We're getting very, very hair metal. Uh, Seventy-eight hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Bon Jovi. Yikes! Th- this is not a banner year. <laughs> it doesn't uh, seem like it. Um, Even oh no, hey, well, hold on. Okay. This is one you can appreciate. Tim by the Replacements. Oh, that's probably the crown jewel of that year. So that I, was, I was even gonna say. The, uh, Meat is Murder is a lesser Smiths album. Have you too. listened to it? I've, I have. I've heard it's considered I've, their worst it, or whatever. I would say it's the worst one I've heard, yeah. yeah. You know, Morrissey laid on a little more thick the, with those titles. Uh, yeah, have know. you ever heard his quote where he was saying, like, he he doesn't want to associate with anyone who eats meat or whatever? Like, okay, dude. It's a little much, dude. Come on. Like, I understand. I'm sympathetic to the cause. Yeah. But it's, a, it's too much. Like, just let people do what they're going to do. Okay? Yeah, I agreed. Anyways... We are on episode 85, like we said. Um, We have a lot of music news to go over in our weekly segment, Hot Thoughts, where we discuss new music that that has come out. Jake, War on Drugs releases another single, the fourth from this album so far. It's another winner. It is. I don't think it's better than... um, 
Strangest Thing. Strangest Thing, but it's almost as good. It's up there. They're four for four on these singles, mm-hmm. and unless they have picked the four best gems from a right. bad album, right. this album's going to be incredible. Just it's al- already, based on the listens I've had, it's already one of my favorite albums of the year, Me too. if I, you really I, have to think about I it. I sort of jokingly tweeted from my Twitter account, at Sean Howe, double underscore under, uh, between Sean and Howe. Follow nice me. Plug. Uh, I jokingly tweeted, this is my album of the year. And, it and it's not even out, out yet. Uh, that's how I feel about it. Four out of the ten are great, great songs. You you could even say, if the rest of the songs are just dissonant feedback, yeah. it would the strength of those four songs would still put it in like the top 15 for the year. How long are we looking at for this album? It's got to be like 70 minutes or something, I don't right? know, because it's only ten songs. It's ten tracks, but of the songs we've gotten so far, one's 11, I think a couple are six or yeah. near six. Maybe that one's like four. So it's like those are all lengthy. It's gonna tracks. be long. It's gonna be like probably an hour. But comes still. out on your birthday, big day, yeah, August twenty yeah. fifth. I'm very excited for this. So they have continued to win with uh, singles released for this. The other big single, Jake. This was a late edition. Came out today. The National. Uh, Corinne at the liquor store, or Karen at the liquor store. It sounds like he says Corinne in the song. He, he sings it Corinne. <clears throat> um, this is a name that runs as a thread yeah. through. Well, line. it's his wife's name. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. It, like there's, but there's different Karens right. too. There's the Karen spelled K-A-R-E-N yep. from, uh, from from Alligator, Alligator yeah. the second track on yep. that album. Uh, I have only listened once to this. I've only had the chance. I actually listened right before this podcast mm-hmm. in a panic, mm-hmm. realizing I forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it, and I think that. Dude, just the idea of this new national record coming out in October, in the fall, I, nothing could be better. It's, I, I'm so excited. The National couldn't be more of a fall band. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really like this song. This is definitely one where I think with more listens, you will like it more and more. Uh, cool guitar solo on here, too, hearkening back to um, the first single I'm... I'm forgetting the name at the moment but oh, the system only dreams in total darkness correct and i think we're gonna get some more guitar solos from the desner brothers here which we haven't totally seen in the past so i'm excited for that also in regards to this single our one of our favorite music critics ian cohen tweeted today he's like breaking news the National released an album, and the more you listen, the better it is. Yeah, he's man. like, I would classify it as great now. So it's 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 a really good point because with every National album, every time with them, and I'm not even surprised by it anymore. I've just come to expect it that the more you listen to a song, the more it's going to age mm-hmm. like a fine wine mm-hmm. for you, and like right before your eyes. It's actually awesome. And, it is. And I just expect that. I mean. I really love The System Only Dreams in Total Darkness. It's a bit of a mouthful, yeah. but I really love that song. What's the second one? Guilty, Guilty Party. I, I really like that song, too. I haven't listened to it a ton, so I've been starting to do what I know you've done strategically in the past, which is pull back. Yeah. I've put my taken yeah. my foot off the gas, which I have not done at all with The War on Drugs. <laughs> no, I haven't either. I've listened to Thinking of a Place, I think, 40 times, <laughs> and I've listened to Strangest Thing. It's only been out a couple weeks. I think I've listened like 15, 20 <laughs> Me times. Too. Me too. I've, I've been nonstop listening to those. Yeah. With The National, I've been taking the other strategy of, okay, I want this to be a little fresher when the album comes out, so I've completely taken my foot Smart. off the gas. Smart. I did that with Father John Misty, that, and yeah. it worked out really well for me. So and, and There's no science to it, because no. I didn't with no. him. It's, I was a, gu- it's a gut thing. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to those tracks that he put out before Pure Comedy a lot, and yeah. I still ended up loving the record. What else do we have for new songs this week, Jay? We got a new The World is a Beautiful Place, and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die single from a new album, I think, uh, that's coming out this fall. The song's called Dylan and Her Son. 
This is one that I also have not listened to a ton. One time, short, two minutes, something like yeah. two something, uh, a little bit on the brief side yeah. for uh, the world is song. So this reminds me of of some of the shorter songs on Harmlessness, like uh, I'm thinking of the word Lisa, yes, and, and songs like that uh, that I really really liked. Um, more digestible for sure. Kind of an interesting like electronic, almost synthy thing at the beginning there um i i actually really really like this song now you tell me if i'm wrong because i've definitely listened fewer times than you does it feel like they're continuing their trajectory closer and closer to pop yes than they had 100 because if yes. you go back to what's the first album called again uh, uh i can never remember thank you happy birthday no, no that's that's, a, that's, that's the ep, EP. that's the it's the EP. one with the kid jumping off a yeah, cliff everyone yeah, you know yeah. what, whatever if ever yes is that actually when, what it whenever, is? Whenever, if ever. This is all-time bad is, radio. Yeah. We it's, call ourselves fans of this band. Yeah. It's a little bit of a preparedness. We've seen them live, too. Yeah. This is preparedness coming out. That first record by The World Is, um, definitely their least poppy. Then with Harmlessness, they moved towards some very accessible songwriting. Mm-hmm. And it definitely felt to me, on the limited listening I've done to this song, Dylan and Her Son, that it, they're moving even closer. I, I, I was kind of shocked at how accessible it was and how poppy it was and uh, to be honest with you this is the world is that i prefer um yeah me too so i'm excited about that direction i'm excited for this album uh i really like this song i it feels like this song hasn't gotten a ton of play critically or fan wise i just haven't seen a lot of conversations happening and this is a band that ignites a lot of conversation and i just really haven't seen a lot of that do yeah. people not like this song as much as I do? I don't know. I think it, it went sort of under the radar. Yeah. I agree. And maybe they're more of an albums band or something. Right. I don't know. Um, but, Sean, speaking of pop, mm. I want to hear your thoughts on this new Killers song, Run For Cover. Dude. Because I think you're loving it. This Killers song. I, I was starting to get a little worried about the Killers for a little bit. They were out in the wilderness in the 2010s for a bit. You know, Battleborn was okay. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a ton of new music coming out. This restored my faith in the Killers. Run for Cover is, it sounds as much like Springsteen as they have since Samstown, which is great for me. You know how much I love Springsteen. Samstown's my favorite Killers album. Is it really? Yes. Run for Cover sounds like it could have fit on a Samstown. It sounds like early Killers, which I love. Let me ask you a quick programming note not related to the song. I was looking at the Killers discography the other mm-hmm. day, which I'm ashamed to sh- say I'm not that familiar mm-hmm. with. I haven't listened to them as, like, I haven't gone through their catalog that much. Is Sawdust a true part of their catalog? Or is that like a B-Sides uh, That is a B-Sides and covers kind of compilation. Got it. Got um, it. it at the time, I, I love it. I, yeah. I think there's great, great songs on there. Because there's some from both the Samstown and um, Hot Fuss eras that could have easily been on those albums. And there's a few songs on there that are better than some of the songs that ended up on the album oh, right. the albums themselves. So if you really, really like The Killers, it's worth a listen. There's What you could do is like pick out a few that are really good and listen to those. Um, I listened to that a ton when I was really? younger, actually. So... It has a soft spot in my heart. I can see now not wanting to really go back because it's right. B-sides and stuff like that. But um, I think Sawdust is better, a better collection of killer songs than Battleborn is. Okay. So okay. it's probably... Day and Age is a, a better collection than Sawdust, I would say. More consistent overall. But Sawdust is worth listening to. There's good songs on there. One thing I keep coming back to with the killers and like my favorite thing about them, and it's really obvious, but it just is... The, 
Brandon Flowers is such a good songwriter. Mm. He's mm-hmm. such a melodic songwriter in the vein you don't really hear that much anymore. No. People don't write songs like he does, no. really. Um, I just appreciate that so much more now than I ever did as a mm-hmm. kid. I don't think I got it or mm-hmm. really appreciated it. He has a knack for pop melody. In I'm not going to say it, it's a comparison that is a little lofty, but someone like McCartney, where it feels like he can just sort of spit them out. Yeah. Like, if 100%. you listen to their hits, they're all so fucking catchy. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm with you on that. I defend the killers to the death. There's some people who like to shit on them. And, they're, like, they're one of these bands who... I don't think the killers are considered cool. Uh, embrace debate at listening Pod on Twitter. Are the killers cool? Let are us know what cool? you think, listeners. I, I hope a lot of our listeners say they are. I think they're cool, but not in the... So, like, for example, in Meet Me in the Bathroom, that book we've been talking about a lot, um, they kind of juxtapose the strokes with the killers in that book and how the killers were kind of these religious dudes who didn't really party as much and, you know, the strokes really went for it in that regard. Um so they kind of made that comparison yeah. and, and said that they weren't very cool without actually saying it. And I think that's right. been the reputation as years have gone by. Well, I mean... As tears go by. <laughs> as tears go by. You know what is cool, Sean? The fact that Kambush, a big friend of the pod, uh, is coming out with another new project, another new album. Just announced yesterday, Small Circle, his band with Adam and Charlie of Sorority Noise. And I think Marissa, uh, yeah, I think is that, the lead yeah. singer's name. Uh, forgive me if I got that wrong. Um, they're putting out a new album under the name Small Circle. The ta- the album's called I think Cyclical. Yeah, it's coming out September eighth. They released a new single. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Uh, Cam is just putting work in. Yeah, he is. He he just finished up a tour. He put out the Hell Is Warm tape. Yes. Solo wise, put out a story noise album earlier this year. He's got this one coming out now. He's always into something, which is really really cool to see. I think we've either joked before, either with him or just by ourselves, maybe on the pod, maybe not, that he's the hardest working guy in the biz. I wouldn't be surprised. In, 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 in his free time, he's like, hey, let me like mix your albums yeah. or whatever. I'm probably not saying the right thing, but no, that's right. Is that what it is? It's okay. Pretty much that. It's like produce or mix yeah. your records and. Um, yeah, man. I mean, they just on Twitter today, I think they're announcing a new tour. <laughs> like tomorrow. Right. Hey, they, Cam's, he's got it figured out. Yeah, he really does. So Good big for shout him. to you, man. Big friend of the pod. I, I really like that EP that came out, though. That Small Circle EP last year. What so. was it called? Melatonin? Yeah. Yeah. Really cool stuff. I like how much Cam seems interested in trying new styles mm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Small Circle is going to be an interesting way for him to branch away from... I'm saying him like he's the only one in the band. But for them to branch out right. and try some styles that are a little bit different. So really, really cool. Cool stuff to look forward to. And then we have another new song, Jake, actually. Right. This is one that I don't know if a lot of people have heard of. So this is Phoebe Bridgers. Um, think Julian Baker when when you think of Phoebe Bridgers. Yep. We actually found out about her because we saw Julian Baker play in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Phoebe Bridgers opened. And I was like, huh, I really like a lot of these songs. Turns out she only had a four-song EP out at that point. Which was actually really good. Really good. This is her debut album. It actually has, I think, all of the songs from that EP oh, on it, like, as well as this new single, Motion Sickness, which I really, really like. The first thing that jumped out at me about this was it definitely seems more produced mm-hmm. and like a bigger, fuller, full band sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it, too. I'm, I'm excited for this, and uh, it's funny to think back 
on a sort of a tangential note about Phoebe Bridgers, that Julian Baker Phoebe Bridgers show was that was height of three S art space, dude. I know that RIP know. that place. They're gonna keep getting like I feel like that place is gonna die. New Hampshire, we don't even deserve it. They were the hero we needed but we didn't deserve, or whatever the expression is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they actually they have hotel year in Oso Oso there in September, but okay. like. Again, it's on a Monday. I feel like all the shows they book are on a Monday. Well, because, again, if you're... And I don't know necessarily how tours are created. I can't pretend to know. But I feel like you don't want to plan, like, a, one of your bigger nights... No, on for a weekend. A, ...for Portsmouth, New no, Hampshire. absolutely not. You, that's like a, eh, we're not doing anything anyway, so we might as well go and play yeah. Monday it's on great. our way to the next spot. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that place has some sort of a bounce back. That was a, a godsend. So Big I shout to so fellow New Hampshireites. Yeah. <laughs> In this drug-infested den we call New Hampshire. <laughs> Big shout, yeah. So speaking of people from weird places, maybe my worst segue of this segment so far, <laughs> the tallest man on earth, a Swedish troubadour, um, is not releasing a new album this year. He's putting out a video project. <laughs> video project thing, as the note says. As the agenda says here in my notes. Um so the first episode of which he sort of introduces the idea. He's filming himself with a camera in a bunch of different beautiful-looking locations. This guy only ever hangs out in beautiful locations. I yeah. feel like he is at one with nature. He's always by some kind of meadow, some kind of stream, around birds all the time. Like, what is up with this well, guy? Well, I don't know if you heard the detail he slipped into the video, but he's like, I bought this camera to film birds. Of course. Of course he did. Like, of course he did. Yeah. This guy's so artistic. So the, the whole idea is that he's going to do a video series now, and in each episode he's going to release a demo or a cover, mm -hmm. and he says, he hinted that there might be some friends yeah. of, of the tallest man coming on, maybe some fellow musicians. Seems like a cool project. I think we're so conditioned to want an album yeah. that in some ways I'm disappointed but I want to try to be more open-minded about it. That was exactly my thought. I said to myself, I wish this was an album, but I need to I owe it to myself to check this out anyways just cuz his whole aesthetic is really cool. He's all about nature. His songs lend themselves to that very well. It complements it. I don't think this guy's ever stepped foot in a city before. I feel like he is the epitome of European efficiency. He's yeah. just like this like he is probably 5'5 five five yeah. or something. He's just A all, buck ten soaking wet. But just all muscle. Yep. He's just like this dude who's like, I'm going to live life and mm -hmm. suck it to the marrow. Seriously. Like, and just play guitar dude, and write songs and I, make video projects. The thing that I thought of when I was watching this, I was like, I'm so jealous of this guy. Not because he gets to be a musician and travel the world and do what he loves. I'm jealous of this guy just because he knows how to enjoy life. Yeah, you can tell. You can really tell. And I was like, oh, I'm really jealous of that. So Yeah, he's full-on enjoying nature. So the song that he put in this first episode, you can find this on YouTube, by the way, listeners. Um, the, the song was called In Little Fires. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And I think what we're actually going to end up getting out of this in 2018 or 19, whenever his next album does come out, I think we'll probably get a lot of these songs on a new album from him. So we're hearing them in demo form right now, which is cool. thought it was a pretty good song. Um, I'm excited to see what else he does with it. So Yeah, I am too. I wonder how long it will go, how many episodes it will run. Did he say? He might have. I don't remember. It all, this all comes down to preparedness. Preparedness. Which we have not had today. No, no, not at all. Speaking of preparedness, Jake, let's get into our main discussion here. Yes, let's. So what we wanted to do this week, and you know, we'll figure something out for next week too. There's been a lull in new albums coming out that we want to discuss. We're hitting those summer doldrums. 
Yeah, despite uh, the packed Hot Thought segment, as many new singles and new little things that are coming out and announcements, there have been very few albums. Which I'm okay with. I need yeah, some I time too. to take a breath, assess where we're at for the year in music so far, and go back and listen to some older stuff. Like, we, we, we're going to discuss Neil Young briefly at the end of this, but... Right. Um, what we wanted to do was go back and talk about overlooked albums of 2017 or those hidden gem albums that we weren't really expecting or didn't really talk that much about and just kind of talk about you know, what those albums were. Do we want to go back and listen? Where are they going to kind of rank? You know, Give yeah. people an idea of these are some ones that maybe you missed out on that you can go back and listen to. Basically, the way I thought about it is they're sort of hidden gems and the criteria and it can kind of be a couple different reasons one maybe there wasn't a lot of press coverage or there weren't any super glowing reviews or that many reviews so it could be something that's a little more underground and just doesn't have that much notoriety another thing is maybe we just didn't talk about it on the podcast that much maybe Mm -hmm. we've been like kind of quietly enjoying it Mm -hmm. and just haven't discussed it that much on the podcast for timing reasons or for whatever reason Um, the other thing is like what Sean just alluded to is the idea that we've really enjoyed it and maybe we haven't listened as much as even we want to yeah. and we just know we want to go back and yeah. it's a hidden gem for us and maybe we'll have a chance over these next couple weeks as we hit this sort of early August lull. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, I think there's something to be enjoyed about the album, Sean, that you, it's not hyped, there's not a lot of press about it or maybe people don't, you, you sort of feel like it's yours alone in a way. Yeah. I feel like I, I am both resistant to that idea because it seems like very much a hipster cliche. Right. But I also can't help but kind of enjoy it. Well, I think we've talked previously on the podcast how the way we listen to music has kind of changed as we've done the podcast and as we have really thrown ourselves into the world of listening to a lot of music. With that comes the press cycle of all these albums. Like we follow a lot of music critics on Twitter, we follow a lot of music blogs. So we see a lot of the reviews and opinions from those publications about you know what's good, what's coming out next. So we're already kind of preconditioned to be excited or hyped and be kind of in the conversation that's yep. happening. When we come across one of these hidden gem albums that doesn't get talked about a lot, it kind of takes me back to how I used to just discover music on my own of like I did a Google search or I heard a song somewhere and liked it and then sought out the album rather than being caught up in kind of the press cycle of it and knowing what's going to come out weeks in advance. Like there'd be years, I'm thinking of like 2010, 2011, where an album would come out that year by an artist that I actually really liked and I wouldn't even listen to it until six, seven months later after it came out. that It's unthinkable to yeah, me right now. Right. I'm listening to it the day it comes out. Yeah, and what's funny too is I was thinking that the the bigger albums, the one that get a lot a lot of press, um, they kind of drive our narrative on the podcast right, in a right. lot of ways. And I think what happens with some of these hidden gems we're going to get to is we'll mention them quickly in a Hot Thoughts. Mm-hmm. We'll mention them briefly maybe in a recommendation of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately... We're not spending a whole lot of time on them. So I think it'll be actually fun to do a little bit of discussion of those today. And listeners, I think with all of these, I'd highly advise you check them out. Because if yeah. you haven't, they're, they're very worthwhile. And the other thing about this, too, is you know we've talked before about how we feel like there's pressure on us to spend time with certain albums. And certainly the ones that get a lot of press, we feel pressured to listen to. 
And I think we also feel pressure to spend times with the ones that we know are great. The Father John Misty's of the world, Big Thief, Alex G, Kendrick, records like that. We spend a lot of time with those to really dive into them. And it doesn't leave us a ton of time to really sink our teeth into one of these hidden gem albums. It's more of like a, yeah, I like that. It's maybe not great, so I'm going to put it aside because there's a lot of new stuff that's coming at me that that is going to take my attention. Where in years past... I know personally for me, I was able to live with an album or two for months and months and let that just soundtrack my life. That doesn't happen as much anymore at the expense of being able to hear more music. Yeah, I just think that the way we're listening to music now has definitely had a big impact. And I'm curious for listeners, once you listen to our list, I'm curious what might be on your list. Definitely let us know at ListenInPod on Twitter. Are there any albums that you haven't seen get a lot of press that maybe we haven't mentioned or any other podcasts you listen to haven't mentioned that you're like, well, guys, how about this album? Right, because I I want those gems. I I want to be able to go and find one and listen and be like, wow, I actually love that. That's going to end up in my top ten. So, yeah, give us those albums that we haven't heard. So. Do you want to start this discussion, Jake, with, yeah. with throwing one out, and then we'll kind of just go back and forth to work yeah. through our list? Okay. Let's kick it off, because we both have just sort of general lists, yeah. and we'll, we'll go from there. There's some overlap. So yeah. I'll start with one that I actually just listened to as recently as yesterday, uh, the Animal Collective EP, their second of the year. Yeah. So not the Painter's EP, which is fine, but the Meeting of the Waters EP, which I think is superior. It's I think this, we've talked about this briefly on the podcast. This is Avitaire and I think Geologist. Yeah. Out in some like the Amazon, yeah, somewhere they, some, they did this for Viceland, I think. Right, and it's so it's an album of they're pretty atmospheric, very experimental Animal Collective tracks. The second song on here, I can't remember the track name. Is it Man of Oil? Yes, Man that's, of Oil. I, that's one of my favorite songs of the year. Me too. I love that song. It's the one where Av Tear he's doing this like ooh 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 ooh. It, yes, it's. Awesome. Big throwback to Strawberry Jam era. And it has one of the coolest little eerie backtrack sample things. Of the, It sounds like a little kid or a woman like singing or humming yeah. going over all the instrumental. Um, this is a really, really, I think after what had been a couple of, if not disappointing, slightly underwhelming Animal Collective releases... Um, I think we both agreed when this came out that uh, this is one that where they're kind of returning to a form. They have many forms. Right, right. And it's interesting because... Because of those not-so-great releases, I think the hype around Animal Collective has been tempered a little bit uh, in terms of that critical conversation we were talking about. So I think this one went under the radar for that reason. And again, I listened to this a few times when it came out, knew I liked it, then put it aside. So this is one I definitely want to go back to and and spend some more time with because this could end up being one of my favorite EPs of the year. Me too. And you know what ended up happening actually is the whole idea for this entire segment came yesterday when I was at work and I was like, I don't want to listen to a new album because there's not that much out. There's there's no full lengths I want to listen to right now. I want something that's not that lyrical. And I started looking through the spreadsheet, our nerd spreadsheet of albums. I was like, oh, that Animal Collective EP. I, I had totally forgotten about it, and I put it on. It was perfect for what I needed yes. in the moment. It's actually long enough. It's yeah. a half hour long, yeah, 34 is. minutes. Um, and it's it's just really, really good, atmospheric, experimental, mm-hmm. animal collective, where if you have not been enjoying the maybe overly noisy, overly busy sort of angle they've been coming at it with, painting with, and the painter's EP, yeah. I think you would like the yeah. uh, Meeting of the Waters yeah, EP. 100%. That was on my list as well. 
Um, the other one that I have here, Jake, and I think this is on yours too, yeah. is that Kelly Lee Owens album. And that's self-titled. It's called just Kelly Lee Owens. This is one we, I think, talked about in our Best Albums of the Year So Far segment. Yeah. It snuck in there for us. Uh, this is a nice dream pop electronic instrumental album almost in the same vein as that animal collective where there's some songs that are just straight ahead catchy on their own um there's songs that are more atmospheric on it easy listen it's in like the 30-ish minute range um i really really like this and even knowing that have not gone back to listen i see it all the time in my list of albums and i'm like eh no, there's other things I should be listening to, but it's really, really good. This has become a big one where, at first, it was on. It would have been on my list for didn't listen as much as I should. It's become on my list for people aren't paying attention yeah, to this as yeah. much as they should because this Kelly Lee Owens album is really, really good. And for all the reasons you said, and it's been big for me, I think, because of homework, which I've alluded mm. to before on the podcast. I have to get through this stupid degree mm-hmm. program. And as I've been going through it, as I'm typing words into a Word document mundanely for hours, a good album to throw on is this atmospheric, sort of experimental, but very catchy in moments. Um, Kelly, Lo- Kelly Lee Owens. Sort of a tough name to say. It is. Kind of a mouthful. Five times fast. Yeah, kind of a mouthful. Um, really, really good. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't. Yeah. Another for me also in that atmospheric vein is the Chuck Johnson album Balsams. So this is a couple this fits a couple of the criteria because I still have not listened as much as I know I want to and um, I do think it deserves a little more attention than it got. This is an album that I it's sort of it's a meditative it's actually music made for meditation but it's all made with pedal steel guitars. And usually so I think as a rule you are more willing to try out these ambient yeah. electronic albums throughout the year. Again, for me, it's a time thing where I'm like, it's not my preferred genre. I already have my go-tos right. for ambient and electronic. So I don't always seek them out. You were like, look, dude, you should listen to this. I know you love pedal steel. It's an ambient pedal steel. I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds When you've awesome. been meditating. And I've been meditating. It's really good. I I've, I only listened once, but I, again, I have to be in a very particular mood right. or setting to fuck with the ambient stuff. But next time I'm in that mood, this is definitely one that I'm going to go back to. I, I treat the ambient ones differently. If I listen once, that's like good enough. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that can be a good ambient rotation album. Right. I don't have to listen to those a lot. I treat those very differently than I do a normal album, but definitely worth checking out. Kelly Lee Owens has been one that's actually exceptionally high on my listens list for an album like that. It's mm-hmm. one where I've listened right. a lot more right. than I typically right. would right. for an album that's in that vein. Um, but Chuck Johnson is one where I know I, I want to go back. But it's it's if you like the sound of a pedal steel guitar at all, at least check out what he's doing yeah. on this album because it's really, really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other one that I have in that same vein, actually, Jake, is Peter Silberman. Yeah. Uh, his album came out very early on. I think this was February or March of this year called Impermanence. This uh, So Peter Silberman, if you guys are familiar with him, is the front man, kind of lead guy behind The Antlers. Um, that's kind of his other project. And I, re- I really like The Antlers. Burst Apart was a great album. Um, hospice. Hospice is emotionally devastating. Uh, can't even listen to it that much just because of the, the subject matter of it. But really, really good. So I like a lot of what he does. This album 
is very much impermanence is a great word for it. It's kind of like this wistful, hmm. barely there sound. Um, it, it's great for falling asleep to actually, which I've done numerous times this year. Um, think of if if you guys are Antlers fans, if you've listened to the Drift Drive EP with um, songs like Drift Drive on it. Uh, I don't know if it's called that actually. I know the song Drift Drive is on it, which I really, really like. It's right. more in that vein than a more upbeat rock-ish album like some of the other stuff is. So it's definitely more of like an atmosphere thing. Hmm. Still with some catchy moments, though. So if you're looking for something like that that's kind of soft, but it's still a straightforward song and you're not so much in on the ambient stuff this is a good in between where it's still relaxing but you're still getting a normal song structure you got me with that one man i actually have not listened to this album you should check it out Um, if you're in the mood but based on your description it sounds uh really cool yeah it sounds like something i definitely would like um and it probably just fell through the cracks it's been it's weird because that has been an album where I, i listened to it the day it came out like once and i was like yeah this is okay and then I found myself like at night being like, you know, I want to listen to something as I fall asleep. I don't know what to listen to. That would work because it'll kind of make me fall asleep. And as I listened to it more in that context, I was like, you know what? This is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it has to be at the right time, kind of like those ambient ones. So keep keep that in mind. Here's another one for you. Um, this is one that I've mentioned on the podcast before. So it's the Remo Drive album. They're an emo band. I forget where they're from. Probably Philadelphia. I think they actually might be from like Minnesota. It's something like that. I think it's Midwest. Could have that 100% wrong. So forgive me, Remo Drive, with their album Greatest Hits. So this is an emo album where I had a hot two days with this album where I listened to (laughs) it like five, six times. (laughs) Right. Really, really was loving it and then haven't really gone back. I know, Sean, you listened to it and didn't totally love it. I listened once all the way through, didn't totally grab me, but I did go back and listen to a couple of the highlights that you had recommended. And I was like, you know what? These are... Good songs. You're killing me, hunting for sport. Yeah, I was like, okay, these these are good. Yeah, um, whatever that last track is. Uh, here's the thing about this album. I know that a fair contingent, Sean, of mm-hmm. our listening populace are people who enjoy emo records. Yeah, and I think a lot of them would be would sort of feel remiss if this was not mentioned in some way because I think yeah. for a lot of our listeners, this is one big more, album for them. This it's year. a big yeah, album yeah. for a lot of listeners, and I think it is for good reason. I haven't gone back as much as I maybe should or want to, yeah. but I will revisit it before the year is out. Yeah, I might give it another listen. Yeah, you know, some... I, I've noticed this year I need to be in the right mood for that type of music. Last year was a year where I seemed to always be in the mood for it. Um, but well, I think what we're getting now is it's it's become. I it maybe last year was even the tipping point. I don't know. We haven't been in the, into the scene for as long as a lot of people, mm. but it feels like there is. A lot of these bands yeah. now. There's it's yeah, sort it of does. it's a little bit of a trendy thing to be in an emo band. Yeah. Whether you're having sort of mathy guitars mm-hmm. or you have the sort of whiny emotive lyrics yeah. or whatever it is, that a lot of this is in vogue right now with like suburban white teens. True. It's a cool sound in those scenes. It seems. Or we are just more aware of it now, and those were always kind of there. I think there was a definite resurgence because I think I, th- I feel like modern baseball. Yeah was the catalyst for a lot of this. I think they were, and I think bands in that vein, like Sorority Noise, Old Grey, Modern Baseball, I think that was maybe some of the start. The world is. Yeah. Some of these bands were like kind of the start of a new wave. Yep. And now, 
as is probably natural, we're seeing offspring sort mm-hmm. of shoot out all over mm-hmm. the place. Mm-hmm. And I think the Remo Drive album is one of the highlights. Mm-hmm. One album I didn't highlight because I've only listened once and it wouldn't be fair, but another big buzz band is that Mom Jeans album. <laughs> yeah. That's another right, one. Right, right. It right. just seems like every other day someone is saying there's this cool new emo album that I should check out or that right. it's worth listening to. Maybe I, maybe I just got to check that out. I, Even though the, <laughs> we've, we've talked about the Mom Noun yes. band names out there that just annoy me for whatever reason. I'm just gonna listen to that album. That's been your what battle. is it like? 15 minutes probably. <laughs> <laughs> 12 songs, 15 minutes. I think it's like yeah, probably 25 or something. It's pretty okay. short. All right, I'm gonna check it out. I, that's that's my promise to you, Jake. Uh, another album for me is actually another EP. This is my favorite EP of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rolling Blackouts, Coastal Fever. Yes. Um, French Press. That song, that the first song, the French Press, is one of my favorite just rock songs of the year. It's awesome. The rest of the EP is almost just as good as that song. This is flying way under the radar. It, no one's really talking about this. It really, really is. I think I learned of this EP through Stephen Hyden, big friend I, of the I, I think I did, too. It actually got mentioned on The Watch by Andy Greenwald. Oh, it did. He, so, he name-dropped this. Yeah. So this is, I think, a five-song EP by an Australian band, and you can tell it's sort of like that. you can hear their accent yeah. kind of like with, what was that band from last it's year? Is this thing on? What was the name of the band? Oh, oh Camp Cope. Your favorite Yeah, Camp, Camp Cope. Cope. Yeah, um... Uh, so I have been really enjoying this too, and it's one where I want to revisit it more than I have. But every time I listen, I'm taken aback by. There's five songs on here; they're all really solid. Yeah. They're catchy. They've got a drive to them. They've got a cool sort of indie vibe going on with the the way it's all recorded. It, it feels fresh in a way that indie rock, like straight ahead indie rock, hasn't felt fresh since. Fuck, I, like. 2012. Well, I, may, I don't know. Like it maybe shouldn't be a surprise that the way they're doing it is basically going back to basics. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think yeah. that is kind of a cycle that happens in music. Yeah. Is things like sort of a trend starts, it becomes more and more and more produced until there's a tipping point and a backlash, and then it's a back to basics thing. There's also, I think, chops on this album yeah. in terms of the instrumentation. Like Agreed. the little licks that are being laid down on French press are really cool, and I find myself like. Rocking out to those, yeah. And there's other Julie's place. I think it's called is good. There's 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 an energy on this album that is missing from a lot of other indie rock. It is dare I say Strokes esque in some ways. It's very of that early. I was gonna say Interpol esque. It's a mixture of it's an Australian Interpol Strokes basically. Yeah, early two thousands vibes to spare. Turning a leaf to a different sound. uh, One from a big friend of the pod from Cambuche. The Hell is Warm tape. Mm. I don't know how many people listen to this. I don't really think it got very much press at all except from like Stereo Gum. Right. So this is not really an album. It's a f- one 14-minute quote-unquote song. Mm-hmm. But it's a tape of all these different ideas that Cam laid down just on a tape that he put out. He was selling it while they were touring at gigs. Um, it's really, really cool. It's If you've gotten used to sorority noise, they're probably Cam's most produced project mm-hmm. I'd say the songs are huge and grandiose and he really goes for it this is one where it's almost him embracing like a Daniel Johnston or uh, what's the name of someone else I'm thinking of uh, who released those al- the really lo-fi Guided by Voices Guided by Voices yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you Robert Pollard sort yeah. of a very lo-fi not a lot of production vibe bedroom music yeah, type of thing 100% it is really good I've only listened a couple times but yeah, that's one, you know, big friend of the pod, and we like a lot of his other stuff. We've mentioned the small circle. 
um, album coming out soon. So if you like any of that stuff and you're interested in what he's putting out, definitely worth a listen. There are a bunch of little earworms he does there are, in there. Yeah, and yeah, one there I want to point out, for any listener who's listened to it or... If you want to listen to it, there's a cool part where he's singing, does it ever rain in hell when the devil gets bored or something like right. that? That always gets stuck in my yeah, head. There's a few a cool of those. Part. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I need to go back and listen more myself. Yeah, it's been one more. I've kind of returned to it here and there. Because, again, yeah. it's 14 minutes. 14 minutes, minutes And yeah. it's all these you cool You know what? Ideas. I've actually... This is actually helpful for me because I found myself kind of at sea with what to listen to yep. over the past week because there's no kind of guiding light of a new album that I should be listening to uh, and I found myself being like well what do you want to listen to it's actually <laughs> it's, it's been hard it's actually crazy how prescriptive we are about yeah, this it's fucked like without guidance without the idea of like what album has been released to yeah. listen to it's been like legitimately weird yeah there's been a void yeah it's I don't like it I don't, I don't like it uh, another one for me I have here I just quickly wanted to mention Tiger's Jaw yeah their new album Spin came out I I Gave this, pun intended, one spin. And there were songs I definitely liked. I just never went back. I think it came out on a day that was packed with new music. And I just never went back. It did come out on a day like that. And I was going to have to trust Tree and say I only listened once. But I guess I only listened once. I remember liking it too. But I don't know, man. This just totally fell through the cracks. This is a band I really like that writes good songs, got good reviews. I think this is just slipping through the cracks for the year. Where This is the epitome of good, not great for the year. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I haven't returned to it, but I definitely should. Another one for me um, that I know I should return to some more that I liked is that Laura Marling album, Semper Femina. I think I was bigger on it than you yeah, were at the so time. I, I remember you've mentioned, we've texted about this a couple different times, and you're like, oh, I'm really feeling this album. And I have tried, I've listened probably four times. Yeah. I, I don't know, I can't break in with it. There's a couple songs I like. Yeah. It's been tough for me, though. I think she's doing some really cool stuff on it, and I did have this nice little run after it came out where it was kind of an album for me for a mm. couple of weeks. Where I was like, okay, I'm feeling the vibe here, and I was as surprised as anyone. Yeah. I didn't expect to necessarily love this album, especially based on my first listen, which was not amazing. Yeah. But it kind of sunk its teeth into me over time, and I think that if listeners like an acoustic, a little bit bluesy and rootsy sort of singer-songwriter mm. with mm-hmm. a singer who has a kind of a cool kind of gravelly female vocal mm-hmm. uh, sort of approach. Uh, definitely worth checking out this new, the Laura Marling album. Here's one sort of in that same vein. I actually think they came out on the same day, so I kind of always associate them together. Uh, Hooray for the Riff Raff, The Navigator. Mm-hmm. So this got really good reviews when it came out. I, I think it got a Best New Music from Pitchfork, actually. Uh, Stephen Hyden really liked it. He was plugging that on Twitter. I really like a couple of the songs on here. And it wasn't until I went back a couple weeks ago and I was like, wait, this whole thing's really, really good. Um, or at least very solid. So I would recommend that one. They were actually at Newport on that stacked Friday that we they missed. They were, I know. Um, they are folky. It, not in the way you would expect, though. I have a really hard time actually describing their sound. Because it's folky, but it's also indie, also with a, like kind of a Latin flair. Yeah, it has, it has this southern sort of Creole, 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 yeah, Creole feel to yeah. it because I think she's from New Orleans. Yeah. Um, the thing about "Hurry for the Riff Raff," this is my album from this year where it's the most one where, and maybe you've spoken to this on another album, and I, I wonder if you feel this as well. It's an album that I know is good. I know I've enjoyed. I've listened to enough to know some of the songs. 
I somehow never ever feel like listening to it. I look. I, at, I know what you mean. I look at the tr- the name of it and I'm like, ooh, I could do that, yeah. and then I, I I sort of pull back. I know exactly. I what don't you know mean. why. Yeah, because yeah. it's pretty accessible. Let's uh, let's take a mental note to hand that out as an award for just like the most. We gotta come up with a name for it. The most just like blah. It's I know what it is. It's the best album you wouldn't listen to. <laughs> yes, that's what it yes, is. Yes. And so far, this is the torchbearer. Okay, I still need to find mine yeah. for that. Um, because but I get the feeling you've listened to this more than I have. I think I have. I think I have. And yeah, I, I think I'm right there. I, I understand what you're saying. Here's one for you, Sean. I won't beat you over the head with it. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, mean, t- I already know what you're gonna talk about. I won't talk Lay about it, it on me. I won't talk about it for long, because I'm sure it was with great indignation that listeners have, have listened to me talk about it before. But it makes the list because I don't believe it's getting the attention it's due. <laughs> is the Foxygen album Hang? Yeah. I really, yep. really, really like it. I think that if you can, not you, Sean, right, listeners right. in general. Get past the idea that, yes, these sounds aren't popular right now. It's a show tunes album. Yes, it's like show tunes slash smaltzy 70s rock. If you can just get past that, there's some really cool things going on. They're doing stuff that no other bands are really even trying or would think to try. And for that, it's very, it's very, very adventurous. And I know that that sounds weird because it's such a lame album by any standards if you sort of compare it to other records on this list even. Um I've come to love it. I think it was, it just took a commitment, and eventually I, I really couldn't stop. I might be alone, and, I, and it's fine. I, I like a couple songs. I can't get down with all of it. I'm, i got to leave it at that. It's fine. You, yeah. you you can leave it there. Yeah. But I think that this is one where there might be an audience for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And maybe there's not. Maybe, yeah. maybe like it is actually fitting that I'm the only person I know who likes it. It might be that that's there's just that many people out there who are going to be into yeah. this record. Yeah, and again, it's not a cool album to be liking no. or going to bat for. And that's the thing, is I think... Two things about this. One, I fear that people are going to think I'm doing this as some sort of contrarian play. Mm. I, I know you're not. Yeah, I know you're I, not. I think one thing people need to understand about me is I am not that way. No. I'm not the type of person to go to bat for something just because I think it makes me look cool. Right. Because it's this different thing. <laughs> right. This is an album that really somehow found its way, and I, and I think I'm as confused as anyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my last one that I have here, and this was also on your list, this might be, I would say maybe my, no, nah, I, I think I like Kelly Gillowins a little bit better than this, but Jessica Hoop, mm. Memories Are Now. This album, the only reason why I listened to it, because it was early on in the year when I was hungry for new albums, and I would check Metacritic every week. And basically, if you had above an 80 on Metacritic, I was considering pretty strongly checking you out. Same here. And I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this. Ended up being surprisingly good. Didn't get didn't get a ton of reviews. Didn't get no. a lot of people talking about it. This is definitely a coverage one. Yeah. It just wasn't covered that wasn't much. Wasn't covered that much. Really, really good. Has some of my favorite individual songs on here. The one I'm thinking of in particular is kind of a folk acoustic ballad called Pegasi. Pegasi. That song has become, I think, the song of the year, if I can speak for her, for a friend of the pod, Mary Kate, who loves that song, who has also started to love uh, Memories Are Now, the song. I also highlight Simon Says yep. and Animal Kingdom Chaotic. Yep, all great songs. The yeah. way she sings Animal Kingdom Chaotic is awesome. I really like that album. This actually, I went on a nice little stretch here of like a week where I listened to it a lot. Yeah. I already know for a, f- <coughs> a fact, if I go back and listen now, it's going to make me feel how I felt 
in At like February. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So I think I only have one other to cover. Mm-hmm. And this was actually a recommendation of the week from me a couple weeks ago, but I don't think I've sort of brought it up enough where I think it's beating anyone over the head with it. It's the the new album from, or maybe even debut album, although I think we figured out they had one more, from Thunder Dreamer, right. the Indiana base. <clears throat> yep. Sort of like, I, I think just because so much is coming out that is emo, I'm compelled to classify them as emo. Right. I don't know that I would, actually. I don't know that it is. It's more like a, kind of a straight-ahead rock. I compare the singer's voice, it's like a more emotive, more sort of... Un, like sort of lo-fi, more emo version of Brandon Flowers in some ways. Right. This high register, really a pretty beautiful voice. There's some really cool songs on here. The song The Bridge, the song You Know Me, um, the song Capture is another one mm-hmm. that's really good. Some really, really cool stuff that Thunder Dreamer's doing on this album. And I have, it's one where I should listen to it more because every time I do, I end up really, really liking yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. So that concludes our Hidden Gems Overlooked Albums of the Year so far discussion. Listeners, let us know which ones we didn't talk about that are yeah. Hidden Gems for you. I would like to hear some new albums when we're in this little lull uh, during the summer. So get at us. Um, so we have a couple segments left here. Let's do a Mount Rushmore. We haven't done one in a while. Uh, this came to me via Indie Heads Reddit mm-hmm. where someone asked... What would your desert island discography be? Meaning, like, a, you can have what? One discography for basically the rest of your life. It's the only thing you can listen to. Uh, so, we decided to do a Mount Rushmore out of it. So, what would be the four kind of nominations? to take with you on a desert island. So I'm going to ask you politely to lead on this one because okay. I have not picked a fourth. And okay. I need time to, to okay. think. So the easy one here, and it's actually, it would just be my number one pick. It's the Beatles. Like, yeah. how can you not pick the Beatles here? You know what we could have done with this? It, it, we're not going to do taken out the Beatles as no, an option? No, we could have snake drafted. Oh, yeah. That would have been yeah. interesting. We still could. We could. That means I can't have the you Beatles. You can't have the Beatles. Because I let you go first. Let's snake draft it. All right. Snake draft. Okay, you get, you're gonna get two on the on the back end though. Oh, so, so I get two in a row. You're gonna get two in a row. Okay, yeah. so we're we're gonna. So I'm taking the Beatles. Yeah, we're audibling here. Sean with the first overall yeah. pick has taken the Beatles. Yep. A devastating blow yeah. to me. Yeah, quite devastating. I'm gonna come back and take with the second and third picks. Bob Dylan. And Radiohead oh, with two and three. Okay, that's tough because I was also going to pick both of them right. for mine. Uh, my second pick, then I'm going to have to pick the National, right? Because that is a band who is still continuing to come out with new music that can kind of pad your. That's why Radiohead's good too, because you can maybe still get a couple new Radiohead releases. Does this mean you go now again? Yeah, I would. Okay, so it go would. Ahead. So I get my third pick here. I'm picking the Rolling Stones. Ooh. Um, big, expansive discography that spans years and years and years. This is a kind of um, a, a value pick. More so yeah. than like a, I love this. It's more of just a volume thing where it's like I'm going to have a lot to listen to. So if I'm going with the Rolling Stones, I still get those classic albums from the 60s and 70s. But I can maybe go and listen to some of those ones I wouldn't have listened to otherwise. I can go back and... Uh, listen to their early just cover song days yep. when they were kind of that British Invasion band. So I'm going with that just because it's a, it's a value pick. So now would this mean I go bang, bang, two picks, and then you get the you last pick? You have one pick. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, it would, actually. You, yeah. So you have three so far. Correct. And yeah. you have the Beatles, you have the National, and you have the Rolling Stones. Yep. 
I have two. Actually, so the way it would go. Fun fact: a snake draft with two people is hard. It's not like that fun either. So it makes sense, yeah, because it's it's technically I was one, you were two. Yep. Then you were one, I was two. Yep. I was one, you're two. Yep. So then I'll so I haven't taken my two yet for the third round. Right. So then I'll be one for the fourth round. Yes. So you're All gonna right. finish off here. We're flying then, the plane as I, we as I, we build I, yeah, it. Yeah. Then I finish off. So yeah. I get two more. Yes. I'm gonna take uh, with my third pick, with the stones out of the picture. I'm gonna take. Mm. You really I'm, fucked me with this Bob Dylan pick. I know. I'm going to go 3-4. I'm going to go Neil Young. Okay. And I'm going to go David Bowie. And the reason there is Great, yeah. both of them are people who released amazing, amazing albums. Like probably for both of them, I'd say between four and seven classic, classic mm-hmm. albums that I could I could listen to on the beach, on the desert island every day. Uh, yeah, that yeah, alone. you'd be living in paradise. Yeah. True. Um, a lot of volume there for Neil Young, too. A lot of stuff to listen and to. And a lot of volume for Bowie. True. And a yeah. lot of like different sounds for Bowie. So right. there's a lot of different... There's I can get a fix on, yeah. like, maybe I'm in the mood for some 80s dance Bowie. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, and there's a plenty to still explore. So that means my final four... I got Dylan at my number one. Yep. I got Radiohead as my number two, and then I have Bowie and Neil Young. So I got like okay. kind of four tentpole. Yeah, classic you do. Rock guys. You do. So my last pick, I'm deciding between The Clash and Led Zeppelin here, and I'm going mm. with The Clash. I'll tell you why, Jake. I think I might know why. Led Zeppelin. There's not enough variation on that sound. Nope. I'm gonna get burnt out on that. And really, do I want to be listening to Presence and In Through the Outdoor and Coda for the rest of my life? No, no, I don't. and and the thing is, is as great as Zeppelin is, and we're gonna be the first people to defend them because I think we're both really huge fans. Mm-hmm. Um, as you get a little older, it's not always what you're in the mood for. No. Is Zeppelin? No, they're they're a, they're a high octane, very aggressive. They have one speed, but they have two speeds. They have pulse pounding rock and roll, and they have some folky stuff too but not a lot Led Zeppelin and I mean this in a fond way believe it or not they're nerdy in the most male way possible mm. they're mm-hmm. like the epitome of like rock male geeks love Zeppelin I yeah it fits the bill because it, I yeah, do it's us to a T so it, you got yeah. Clash so I'm taking the Clash because you have that variation limited discography but when you take into account the fact that you have the two first two albums that are straight ahead punk you have London Calling, which is arguably my favorite album of all time. Yep. I would get that for the rest of my life, which would be very important. Then you get into Sandinista, which is might as well be three albums in one. Yep. Combat Rock. You get these weird, new, different, very different sounds. Um, I could finally have the time to listen to Cut the Crap. And then yeah. they have a couple live albums in there. And then you also have all of their like B-sides yep. and compilation albums that, some that I could ones. listen to. So. Their discography is bigger than you'd think. That could last me a decent amount of time, and there's variation. If I'm not feeling, yep. you know, punk rock, I'm gonna go with Sandinista. You know? There's variation for sure, which is what I was gonna say. Is that it's with what you wouldn't get with Zeppelin, you definitely get with the Clash, and, and that's why Radiohead is such a good pick, and to an extent Dylan, because there's variation. Artists who change colors and are chameleons throughout their career are the best ones to take for something like this. What's good about Radiohead and the National for your pick yep. and my pick is they these catalogs are gonna grow, right. and I'm assuming under this game we made up just now that we get the new albums when we they come out. We have access to all the new albums We're grandfathered on, in. on an artist-only streaming service. Right. Yeah. So yep. to recap, 
I had Bob Dylan, Radiohead, Neil Young, and David Bowie. I had The Beatles, The National, Rolling Stones, and The Clash. Listeners, let us know which desert island Mount Rushmore you would rather have, and then let us know who your desert island Mount Rushmore's would be. I'll tell you which of our two I would rather have, Sean. Mine? Because it has the Beatles? Because it has the Beatles. (laughs) Yeah, the Beatles. Honestly, no matter who you pick, the Beatles trumps basically everything there. I... This probably sounds wild, but I would maybe have... I would legitimately really think hard about taking the Beatles over four other artists. I would think hard about doing it. Yeah. Just because I love them so much. Yeah. And it's like, t- that's totally fanboy talk. It's <laughs> right. very, very annoying, I'm sure, to listen to. when you're going insane because you've heard Sexy Sadie 3,000 times yeah. when you're 55 but years old. They got a big catalog. And you're talking to a volleyball. For as short as their catalog, as they were around, their catalog is actually pretty expensive. It, it, it is. 200 it is. plus songs. Yeah. It's a, but at the same time. Short songs. I might go crazy if I'm on this desert island talking to a volleyball trying to like use a skate to knock my tooth out. <laughs> right. If I, I might be like, if I hear piggies one more time, <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. Right. So there's that. Right. Um, right. See, a couple that just missed the cut for me. One, Fleet Foxes. The reason is, is it's not expansive enough, but it's a discography that's very, very solid. It's very there's re-listenable. No, and there's no misses. Not enough of it yet. You're, you're ba- if you pick them, you're banking on a lot more output from Robin uh, Pecknell the rest of... Yeah, and you life. know what? You do get new albums. So it depends yeah. how long you survive on yeah, that. Yeah, true, true. Were there any others that you would have uh, included? The only one I, I was thinking of here was Arctic Monkeys and or, cheating a little bit, Alex Turner. Because if I think you that's go, a cheat. You could also do the same with Jack White. You could be like, oh, I'm taking Jack White so I get White Stripes, Tours, and any of his solo stuff. You could do, with the Beatles, you could you cheat could, and be like Paul McCartney or John Lennon. Yeah. Or take both. Right. Right. And then you get all of both of their <laughs> right. solo careers. So, sort of cheating if you do Alex Turner, but you would get his uh, Submarine solo EP, and then you get the Last Shadow Puppets albums too, so kind of padding the stats there. Yeah. Even so, you know, if Arctic Monkeys keep churning out great albums like they have been, that wouldn't be a terrible pick. I, too, consider the Arctic Monkeys really based on our last, our recent discussions yeah. about how strong their catalog yeah. is. yeah. So that's that's a good listeners. You can't snake draft it, but what are your four desert island discographies? You know, it's funny. Radiohead has a song on Moonshape Pool called Desert Island Disc. So, what is your desert island disc? One album? Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That's really hard. Is yours London Calling? It probably would have to be because it's long. It's very, very re listenable. This could be a good conversation for uh, for another episode, so we will, can think on it a little bit more. I'll go tentative here. I want to say one that makes sense, even though we were just making fun of a couple of songs, is the White Album. That's also a great pick. Yep. It's so long. Yep. There's so much different stuff. I seem to never tire of the Beatles, yep. even at their most sappy. Yep. So maybe if that's I were where to pick one Beatles album, it would be that one, even though it's it's not my favorite. Yeah, I would pick that as my desert because I Beatles you, you disc. can't do Revolver. No, it's barely a half hour it's long. It's way too short, and I've noticed I'm so, I'm sort of sick of listening to some of the songs on Revolver because I've listened to Revolver a million and a half times. <clears throat> I know I've burnt myself out. I really and there's I, variation on the White Album. There's a lot of variation. Yeah, and like some better than others. Right. There's right. some experiments that work. Right. But you get like Paul being a show tunes writer yep. while John like sort of sulks in the other room and like and, is maybe on heroin and writes Julia right as a revenge song. I don't think it's really revenge, but there's that interview where they're like, 
he's complaining about how Paul would go off into the studio and record a song just by himself. And they're like, what about Julia? He's like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> it's, it's just him. But that's the only time he ever yeah. did it. We can't help but just reverting back to a Beatles conversation. I mean, we're so late in the podcast that if yeah, you're still true, listening, true. then you must like them too. Let's round it off by doing a quick recommendation of the week. We have the same one. Yeah. Uh, this is Time Fades Away, the live album by Neil Young. came out in 1973. This was in the midst of a tumultuous tour. It was on the Harvest Tour. And some of Neil Young's friends had died. He didn't like what was going on on the tour. Thought they didn't sound good. Um, they actually brought in uh, Crosby uh, and Nash yeah. on this tour towards the end to try and like fix things. Anyways, this is an album of all new material that he played on the Harvest tour. I guess it pissed people off. I'm sure it did. Because they were expecting to hear, like, Old Man and, you know, those A big, Man Needs a Maid. Big, those big Harvest songs. And what they got was the birth of what is actually uh, sort of described as the Ditch Trilogy. Um, I we were talking about this earlier, Sean. My recommendation of the week might just be trilogies of albums. <laughs> yes. There's the Berlin trilogy by Bowie. Yeah. Now there's this Ditch trilogy yep. by um, by Neil Young, which includes Time Fades Away, On the Beach, and Tonight's the Night. Yeah. It's this dark, spare, raw mm-hmm. span of albums from him in the early to mid '70s that are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, big shout, second of the episode to big friend of the pod, Stephen Hyden. For the Celebration Rock podcast. Everyone should listen to his most recent episode about the best live albums of all time. Really interesting and something that I realized I haven't considered enough. Uh, Me neither. And it took listening to Time Fades Away to be like, oh, there's quality stuff out there that just happened to be recorded live. Rust Never Sleeps is another good Neil Young example. That's a a good album. Aren't parts of Tonight's the Night live? I think they are. Like a couple songs or something? Probably. That's a very Neil Young thing to do. If you listeners, if you like Neil Young at all, listen to these albums. So especially good, especially on the beach. This is my favorite Neil Young. I like these better than Harvest. I like these better than uh, Everyone Says This Is Nowhere. As good as it is, and After the Gold Rush, Harvest and After the Gold Rush are him more folky. I yeah, right. I think of Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere as actually somewhat close to this sound, where it's yeah, like it's really yeah. raw. You think of Cinnamon Girl True. or Down by the River. Down by the River is a great song. Yeah. yeah, if I were to rank albums, I would go On the Beach, then Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, yeah. then probably Harvest. Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere is a cool album name. Very cool. He has Very some cool, cool album he names. He really dude. does. On the Beach is such a fucking gem, dude. I listened again today. So fucking good. I listened to that recently on a somewhat long drive. We took the back way to the beach from here. Yeah. Like an hour drive along back roads, and we were listening to parts of On the Beach, like Ambulance Blues and Vampire Blues and For the Turnstiles and all these songs, Walk On. Um, So the vibe on that album is so incredible. I've always had a hard time... um, Figuring out what my favorite song from it is. So I finally it. figured it out today. I know what it is. What is it? It's on the beach. The title track. You know, I think that's Those become... guitar licks are unbelievable. That song embodies the feel of that entire album. It's sad. It's tired. There's this bluesy yeah. just vibe to it. It's so good. He he does this really cool thing on that song where he's he's it's like a traditional blues, but the chord he hits... It, this is really sort of inside baseball shit, but I think what he's doing is like a blues progression we've talked about before being a 1-4-5. Mm-hmm. On the 5, he hits like a major 7 or something, which is a chord that's more airy sounding, mm. and it gives it this sort of like like not final sort of sound. Yeah. And his the way that Neil solos 
I fucking love. It's all he's not very technical at all. No. It's all it's like he's brute force yeah. on the guitar. Yeah. It's all just like bends and like he'll hit one note like ten times in a row. If if you guys it's not the same kind of thing, but if you guys are really feeling thinking of a place by war on drugs or like that sound. I think you'd really like On the Beach, too, if you haven't listened to it already. It's not the same. It's in the same ballpark, though. It's in the same conversation. Yeah. I mean, I've just been loving it. So definitely check... Well, and the recommendation of the week, Time yeah. Fades Away. Check yes. that out, too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so that wraps up the episode. Stick around after the outro music for some Thrones thoughts uh, yeah. on this last week's episode. We got a lengthy Thrones thoughts this we week. We do. So if you've been enjoying that... Actually, also, if you have feedback about it, let us know. Yeah. Because we've been kind of formalizing it as part of the podcast yeah, we have. We have. while Thrones is going on. Yeah. And I've been wondering whether it annoys listeners or if listeners like it. They can just not listen. Yeah, but right. That's why we put yeah. it after the music. Yeah. So if yeah. you like it, listen. If you don't, yeah. we'll see you next week. All right. See you. Okay, we're on. Um, we were just talking Patriots. Yeah, yeah. Looking um, back at the seasons of the past, what a run they've had. It's unbelievable. It makes me not even excited for a new season because I'm like, well, can't live up to right. to the past, so why even bother? That's kind of how I live my life, though, <laughs> is why even bother? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. It's just like it, nothing. It, everything will suck more than you think. So why bother trying? I feel like on the after show, pre show, the past three weeks, I think we've had ourselves a pity party. We've been a little bit less than chipper. We always just throw in a nothing matters. So yeah. Well, I think you need to get it out now because yeah, this yeah. is where our real friends of the pod. The are. real, real. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah, friends of the pod, get at us. Uh, do you think nothing matters? <laughs> if nothing does matter, how do you uh, persist yeah. and continue to live on? Yeah. Um, um, Thrones thoughts, Jake. Yeah, I was going to say one thing that keeps people going is TV shows. Yeah. Like Game of Thrones. Um, do you want me to go first? You yeah, first? yeah. The spoils of war. What do you got? I thought it was another strong episode. Agreed. I think that the... One major criticism and the thing that I think it is deservedly getting made fun of for in some ways is the cave drawing scene. Yeah, that didn't... It's a, that, it's yeah. a big time convenient plot device. Mm-hmm. And the joke that John just drew them down there wrote itself. Which was? Which is the joke is like John needed that out of convenience. Oh. He may, and he may as well have just gone down there and drawn oh, them. Oh, oh, yeah. Just in that moment. So the one thing you could argue as being, well, it sort of makes sense, is the children of the forest or whatever. If that's Is that what they're called? I think so. Who, like the, who, there's like the first man. I'm a little hazy on that early history. Yeah. They, I watched they some YouTube video one time. created the White Walkers. The children did. Yeah. Because... The, to fight the men, then they ended up teaming up with the men to defeat the White Walkers. Yeah. It, so, what the children did to create the White Walkers, if you'll recall, is they there was a scene. I think um, Bran saw it when he was training with the Three Eyed Raven. Was they stabbed a man in the heart with dragon glass, and then oh, he right. turned into a White Walker. Okay. So it kind of makes sense that those cave drawings are there with the dragon glass. Uh, 
horde, you yeah. know. So I, I'm with you though that it seemed awfully convenient. Maybe they've done more table setting that I'm not remembering than it actually is more of a earned scene in the moment. And I watched like the post. I actually rewatched this episode with Mary Kate last mm. night. Big shout, big friend of the pod. And we rewatched it. And at the end, if you watch it on demand, there's like Benioff and Weiss yeah. talking about the episode. Even Benioff, who was talking about that scene, I could tell, like, that dude is a TV writer. You know, he knows that it's a little convenient. Yeah. And he was like, and you know, he, Jon Snow goes down there and finds exactly the thing he needs to, like, help convince Daenerys. And I don't know. It just feels, it's like, the way it was done, it's like, first of all, there's these cave drawings, which John would never have been exposed to before. He would have recognized, I suppose, the White Walkers because mm-hmm. he's seen them. But, like, how does he have this whole history memorized perfectly? And how is he interpreting the drawings, like, exactly right? Is that something that is just taught to kids? Can we shout out Maester Lewin back at Winterfell teaching Could, the kids? And that's one thing. It could be taught to kids. But Jon Snow seems like not the smartest guy. It doesn't seem like. Or is that just Kit Harrington being Kit Harrington being like kind of one dimensional in his acting? It it could be. All that being said, so uh, no, I'm with I'm with you on that. It did seem a little convenient, but we we got to move the plot along somehow. And that's why on the same page somehow. That's why I'll forgive it. And I think it's still cool to see Jon Snow and Daenerys in scenes together. All of that is burying the lead about that last scene, which was crazy, and I I actually really really liked. I, I did too. Final thought about John and Danny, though. Yeah. They're definitely foreshadowing them being romantically linked, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Because and actually, that's another thing where uh, I think it was Benioff said that. Okay. Okay. Because, yeah, um, Davos says that to John and kind of, like, makes fun of him. And here's something that I sort of picked up on. This seemed like a little bit of a throwaway line, but I made two connections here. One, Danny was talking to Masande about Grey Worm. And she's like, what happened? Yeah. And she's like, many things. And Danny's like, many things? One, Grey Worm's going down on Masande. I feel like that's not a standard practice in Westeros. Oh, it might not be. A, like I, I don't think that's like a normal thing for dudes to do. That's what Jon Snow Jon did. Jon yep. did it to Ygritte. So Danny's already, she's like, ooh, I, I would like that. So maybe that is already <laughs> like a little bit of foreshadowing you know of, of Jon... And Danny, the other thing I was thinking of is, I think I saw this uh, from Kevin, big friend of the pod on Twitter, mentioned to big friend of the pod, Josh, is, are they setting up the Missande Grey Worm betrayal of Danny here? Because hmm. she's talking to Davos, Missande, and she's like, I choose to be with her. If I wanted to go follow my heart or whatever, she'd let me go. And Davos is like, really? Okay. You think so? And then they had the conversation mm. about Grey Worm. Yep. And how, so I don't know if they're setting something up there where, like, she's going to leave and then Danny's true colors are going to show. Because not for one second do I think Danny would be totally okay with no. letting Missande leave. Danny, for all of the the pumping of the tires that her subjects do, I don't see it with her as being, like, this great leader. She seems um, very hard-headed sometimes yeah. and very one-way. It's her way or the highway. The reason I can see it, it's less now than it was a couple seasons ago because when she was freeing slaves and like breaking chains, yeah. literally as her title dick like says she yeah. does, at that point, if you're a slave or like someone who's like a indentured warrior mm-hmm. and that's all you've ever known and it's all you ever get to do this person who frees you you're going to be pretty indebted and mm-hmm. completely loyal to for a long time so from that perspective True. I understand they're just complete what about, adoration but what about Tyrion 
He's yeah. drinking the fucking Kool-Aid too. Well, dude, and like Tyrion that you could see in this in that last scene, which we'll get to, where um Danny comes in with the dragons and burns the shit out of the Lannister troops. Yeah. You can tell Tyrion's feeling conflicted. Yeah. Because cause, yeah, he cares for Jamie because Jamie's bailed Tyrion out. Tyrion, I think, probably feels obligated to do the same in some way. He cares for Tyr- uh, Jamie, and one thing I was picking up on is as much as he hates what the Lannisters represent, there's a small part of you where it's like the rebellious teen thing. Like you go back home after a certain while and you know, he's been away. And when you're away, the Lannisters can stay an idea. Mm-hmm. They can stay this mm-hmm. evil force that they rejected you and you don't like them and you mm-hmm. don't care what happens to them. When you're seeing men in the colors you grew up seeing, like mm. fleeing from the Dothraki, being burned alive, mm. I really, I doubt there's not a part of Tyrion that is sympathetic to that. Uh, absolutely, because he's not a terrible person. No. He's a very smart, pragmatic um you caring person, really? Yeah. Like he's a normal dude, and of course, if you're seeing that happen, you're like, "Oh fuck, I kind of did had a hand in this." The people he probably knew, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. sure that's tough for him to see. And I think in some ways, Daenerys called him out for something that I think he maybe even subconsciously yeah. hadn't quite put together that he was doing. I think he's trying to spare them a little bit. Yeah, um, interesting to see. Here's my question for you, Sean: Do you think we had some discussion about this, Josh, Kevin, Mary Kate, and I? Do you think? That Jamie will die. Uh, so the way they left it is him sort of like drowning. It's him falling into with this. his armor on. Yeah. Um, no, because in the past, if someone has died, they make it pretty fucking clear that they're dead. This exactly. is ambiguous. This does not hold the same weight if we get to next episode and then we see him die. Like they should have ended the episode with him dying. This is not the way Jamie goes out. I, I don't think he. I don't either. He's he too has big to a have character. his end game with Cersei and others. So no, I don't think this is how he goes out. Do you think maybe Tyrion saves him somehow? How could? Uh, I th- yes, I was actually thinking that. I so would... I think what's going to happen is Jamie is going to get fished out of the river or something yep. by Dothraki or whoever it is, and could end up being in the in Danny's clutches. Yeah, and then Tyrion might let him out like. Jamie let him out when he was fleeing King's Landing. Or Tyrion uses his wins the favor of Daenerys back by sort of winning Jamie to the cause in some yeah, way. Yeah, because we yeah, were talking true. last time in our pre-show, post-show, um, about how seeds of doubt, very yep. serious seeds of doubt at this point, are are planted in yep. Jamie's mind about Cersei. Yep. And uh, how we were saying, if, if he's positioned to do so, he could jump to the other side. Yep. If he's given a compelling... And now they've put the, those two pieces on the board together. Yep. Tyrion, if Jamie does survive, which I think he will, yeah. will be right there. And they, the battle's lost for the Lannisters. Right. So Jamie will have to either surrender or maybe be killed by right. Daenerys. Right. I have a feeling he'll surrender. I Agreed. And... The other thing about Jamie, he has slowly become one of the most compelling characters on here. Oh, he's one of the best characters, yeah. There, I really like Jamie. We talked about it last week and the week before, definitely, with Danny, where it's almost like she's too big to fail at this point, and that becomes a little less interesting. It's more interesting now that the playing field's been leveled, but yeah. Jamie is the underdog here. He's fighting on the side that we don't like or root for, but we're rooting for him. Yeah, well, and like Braun. Braun, Braun, Braun is so one of my cool. favorite characters. I Dude, fucking love that from guy. From a TV perspective, from a director's perspective, the tracking shot of him running mm-hmm. through the wreckage, mm-hmm. 
like the dragon flying over mm-hmm. him, him like pulling a sword out of a guy who's been impaled, yep. fire narrowly missing him. Yep. That's one of the best shots from this season. Awesome. Braun is an all time cool character. He is, and if anyone out there was hoping that that Dothraki would get him, you're an insane person. Everyone was rooting for Braun right there to get out of that situation. I found myself rooting for him to actually hit the dragon with the spear. In some ways, I did too. I didn't hope that the dragon would die necessarily, right. but I was. I you. I feel like you have to see the dragon hurt, right? In some ways, in order to have the playing field yeah. feel in any way yeah. level. Yeah. Because it's what's interesting is that this season has been. The scales going back and mm-hmm. forth, mm-hmm. and like there were a couple big hits to Daenerys, and now she's like, "Well, I have this trump card." Yeah, and I like that she takes at the end of the day Lady Olena's advice instead of mm-hmm. Jon's and instead of Tyrion's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's just like, uh, "No, you, got, I, I'm going to follow my gut right. and the advice of one of the smartest women I've ever met, yep. and burn shit down." She she kind of does follow Jon's advice though, because Jon was like, "If you use the dragons against the people, you know they're not going to." You're no different than anybody else. She's like, okay, I'm going to use this strategically and use it only against a military target. That's a fair point. (laughs) Kind of like Grand Moff Tarkin. I'm a target? A military target? Did you see my my, my brain stop? I was about to be like, a military target? Um, They're on Dantooine. (laughs) Dantooine. So here's one thing I wanted to talk about is that we, I think, notoriously, the two of us, have been... Um, not dragon haters, right? But dragon dissenters. Where the, we're not these people online who are like, "Oh my god, the dragons!" The oh best my god, thing is the dragon. I, I can't even the dragons. I don't give a fuck about the dragons. But here's what I'll say: this, I do, but I don't. This is what I was gonna bring up. Seeing them in action in this way was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Seeing them in action like this, or actually, it was really just one of them. I think it was, it the, was Viseron. It, it, uh, I think it was Drogon. Was it Drogon? Was it? I don't know. I don't know. Josh. When we were watching it, big shout to you, Josh. Let, let us know. I wouldn't know. Josh would know. I'm going to go with whatever Josh He knew Josh immediately said. and was okay. like, oh, she flew in on this one. I wonder why, okay. not the other two. You know what's... I think they mentioned this on part of my take, and they don't even watch the show. Drogon is an all-time bad dragon name. But here's the funny thing, Sean. I thought the same thing until I had it explained to me what they're all named for. It's Viserion for a brother, uh, Rhaegon for a brother, and then Drogon for Drogo. Oh, Which I never oh, realized. Oh, I didn't. Oh, wow. That, okay, that's news to me. I never realized that either. And I was saying the same thing actually before I listened to that part in my take the day before. And when I heard it the next day, I was like actually kind of mad at them. Yeah. I was like, well, dude, you just found this out yesterday. <laughs> right. So maybe right. I've always back. thought that. I'm like, that's lazy. Yeah. Anyways, that is cool. So I think one of the reasons why I wasn't all in on the dragons is with the exception of a couple things, we never got to see them in action. Yep. And it was always this thing of like once Danny gets to Westeros and unleashes the dragons, it's going to be insane. And it became this thing where it's like, is that even ever going to happen? Yeah, right. It's this thing that, you know, who knows if it'll, if it'll happen. So to see them in action was actually cool. I thought that whole battle scene was awesome. Me too. It was basically what we were promised for seasons and seasons of these final battles are going to be huge. Couple things. One, no one of note really died. No, which they, is which it, is different for these Game of Thrones battle scenes. And the two things. One, they were comically close. Right. Like, 
like they show the dragon's range on the fire at different points as as basically burning like three men wide and and more yeah. and then when Braun jumps last second off of the giant <laughs> yeah. the giant like uh, trebuchet or whatever yeah. it is yeah um, ballista thing. yeah yeah it ju- it barely misses him yeah. and somehow the fire is more narrow than I know him. I noticed that too I was like you're playing fast and loose yeah. with these and, fire and things. Jamie was really really close at one point too right the other thing is that it goes back to what we were saying about they just need these pieces on the board still yeah exactly and like they because we're at the end it's game. turning into more of the classic action movie thing where your your main characters and your favorite characters get close to dying but never do yep. when in past seasons they would have just died they're gonna be some big deaths so yeah. we, oh, we just sure. need more episodes exactly like Olena was a pretty big death yeah it was actually the other thing I wanted to mention about that seeing the Dothraki in action finally yes. too in that context was awesome just the the moment with like wait what's that and then they hear them for a while before they even see them at the top of that hill was so cool, and you could almost feel the dread that they had. Where they're like, "Oh my god, we are so fucked." I was thinking, can you imagine how scared you would? I would be? run the fuck away. I probably would run away too. I'd run away. I'm no, I'm no warrior. I wouldn't even make it that far. I would have died at Casterly Rock. Yeah, I would have too. I would never even have made it through the basic training. No, they, I would have been killed yeah. by like some stronger guy. Yeah. In like this fascist world <laughs> where the strength and violence holds sway. But the, seeing the Dothraki was was really, really cool because that's another thing we've kind of been promised where it's like, oh, they're going to be Danny's army. Yeah. And we've never really seen it until now. One other thing I wanted to talk about was some of the Stark family reunion stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's been interesting, but I read something in AV Club that I thought was a good point where they mentioned the line of dialogue where Sansa is talking to Arya and she's like, well, How did you get back here? And Arya basically says, It's a long story. It's like, the complaint there is, yeah, but like your sister wants to know, right? And the audience might actually not mind seeing you guys exchange yes. stories. So I get that from a criticism perspective. And what the person wrote, I thought it was really smart, was they're saying the Stark reunion stuff has been all payoff, but like no, they haven't. It's it's not been totally earned. I know because exactly it's what you just mean. been them seeing each other yeah. and like almost understanding what they've been through, but. The sort of retort you could easily make is there's not time. I was I was just gonna say I was like, well, in the interest of time, you, we, they can't necessarily show them rehashing. I always take that like when Sansa and Arya met in the crypt, yeah, and they were talking. I was like, they're gonna meet up later tonight and talk, or they're gonna talk a few times over the next week and right. really get to the bottom of all of this. I understand them not showing it, but I know what you mean, where it almost doesn't feel earned, and it's it's also weird when. You know, Sansa's looking down at Arya training, training with Brienne, which was an awesome scene, by the way. It was Amazing really, really scene. cool. She was like, uh, what was her sword teacher name? Sirio? Sirio? Yeah, like yeah. something like that. Yeah, looked just like him, the way he fought. Yeah. Um, She's a cool style. She That was an awesome scene. Do you, so here's one more thing. There's a lot to unpack yeah. in this episode. Um, Littlefinger. Yeah. He's got to know he's fucked now, right? I don't know what he thinks... He's doing because uh, I was joking with Josh about this. At this point, he's now realized that one. So he at first he probably thinks he's in a great position because yeah. he's like, I've got now three Stark kids. Yeah. If Sansa won't bend, then one of these other two might. And he starts to work Bran, but he's like, Oh fuck, Bran's not Bran. <laughs> well, no, he starts. And this is what I'm saying is he's talking. He talks to Bran. Bran's literally omniscient, <laughs> knows all, yeah. and then he sees Arya. 
and she's basically omnipotent. She's like all powerful. He doesn't even know about the faceless thing yet, but she's like right, right. she's holding her own and besting Brienne. Yeah. in a battle. Yeah, in what it's like a fake sort of a practice duel. But he's he's realizing he's like oh, and like Sansa's not having any no, of it. No, no. Um, I, yeah, I think he still has some tricks up his sleeve though. He probably does. Yeah, that have yet to be revealed. But uh, what's interesting about Bran, I loved how he threw the chaos as a ladder speech mm. back in Littlefinger's face. Not the speech, just the thing that really seemed to offset Littlefinger because... That was such a cool shot when they showed Littlefinger's face. Like I think what they're implying with this is Littlefinger was behind the assassination attempt on Bran. Yeah. I think that is... And Bran sees that and knows that. Yeah, well, and they kind of, with the... The like on last time on Game of Thrones, even though they don't do last time, they right. do, they'll show stuff from like that was like I think episode two. Yeah, it was. He, look, Aiden Gillen looked a lot younger. Yeah, yeah. Was like still looking like Tommy Carcetti that's owned by Tyrion Lannister. What he said. Yeah. Um, it's funny to see those way flashbacks. When is Bran gonna start dishing information, talking to people, and being fucking helpful? Don't you don't have to be the Lord of Winterfell. You don't even have to be like a good brother. Just fucking give some info to people. Let them know that John's a Targaryen. Let them know that Littlefinger is responsible for like all of their pain and suffering. Like start telling people some stuff. Yeah, he he seems to refuse to dish out yeah. this this dirt he's got. Yeah. And yeah, I I don't understand why if you're Bran, you don't tell Sansa, who might have the ability to contact John. Right. John is a Targaryen. John is the son of Rhaegar. And and like what why? Here here's the only thing I could say otherwise. If Bran can see everything that has happened and will happen. But is it will happen? We I just, don't know. I don't know that. I don't know. Well, either. because Remember, he had that vision of a dragon flying over King's Landing. Yeah, right, but that could have been from previous wars. Yeah, that's oh, that's a great point. That's Showing great how point. powerful the dragon. Because I, I was gonna say, if he knows what's gonna happen, maybe he knows that he needs to tell John directly or something like that. That's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. That he just needs to let shit play out. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know, and he can't influence it. I'm not sure. You bringing up dragons just reminded me of one really cool fun fact that I thought was awesome. Uh, I think it was on the Talk the Thrones thing. It was mm-hmm. one fun fact. Uh, big shout to the ringer. Big friends of the pod. Yeah. Um, one of them, I assume it was Jason Concepcion, he brought up the fact that um, when dragons were in their heyday, there was a civil war between Targaryens. And it was that's what is called the Dance of Dragons. Oh, that civil war. Because cool. he, he was talking about this dude knows this history better than I know any history, including real history. Right. <laughs> And he is talking about how um, a lot of the dragons, because you know there's a point where dragons are wiped out, yeah, and that's basically where you start the show, yeah. Um, uh, back then, when the Targaryens were at their full might, there were a lot, and they kind of wiped a lot of them out right. during the civil war, right? That's where dragons were fighting dragons. Wow, that's pretty wild. crazy. Imagine just being a common citizen then, like, no. oh, there goes a couple more fucking dragons yeah. ruining everything. You may as well already be a pile of ash as soon as you're born. <laughs> Because that's your fate. <laughs> this world, man, it's like in a way. Does it even matter who ends up winning? No, because they're all there. No one has their hands clean. No, I mean, I guess John kind of does. He's yeah. sort of the most honorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I I think the last two episodes have been really strong, though. It's been back to like good Game of Thrones status. I agree with you. Do you have any other? 
thoughts. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. It was actually a really short episode. It was the shortest of all time. It's 51 minutes, yeah. I think. Yep. Really brief. Yep. Uh, no, I don't have any thoughts other than Sam's dad seems like a real prick. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, he's like yeah. flogging them will will make them go quicker. Jamie's like, let's give them fair warning yeah. how about, Hey, dude, how about we don't <laughs> flog them? Dude, Randall Tarly seems like such a prick. Yeah, yeah, he does. He I does. don't like that guy. I also, the like, good casting by them because that is a, a, a hateful looking man. That Yeah, he looks like a, just a shitty dad. Dude, also, last thing. I don't remember where I saw it. I think it was some commercial or something. They were showing the Game of Thrones cast at Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the head of hair on the dude who actually plays Varys? No. It's amazing. <laughs> awesome flow. Really? Dude, yeah, he's like probably 60. He has this great head of like of like uh, graying that's hair. That's awesome. And it, it was so weird to me because I like saw I was like, dude, this I only ever see him bald. But yeah, he, that's it, interesting. He has like awesome hair. Quick thought about Varys before we start the episode. You remember when he was talking to um Melisandre? The, yeah. the red woman. Again, too close to Missande. Yeah. Like, yeah. Eh, too close. Anyways. Too close. Yeah. Do you remember when they were talking and he's like, you can't return to Westeros or whatever. And she's like, yeah. just like you, our fate is to die here. Or yeah. Something. What did that mean? I don't know. I don't know if that was just something. Is there from... something up with Varys where he also... Because remember, like, she has that bracelet or whatever that turns her into, like, a young woman. Yeah. Um... Is there something up with Varys that like we don't know about, other than his castration by that like warlock or whatever? I don't know. There's been a lot of not great indicators for Varys this season, from Danny threatening to burn him alive mm-hmm. if he betrays her, to then Missande mm-hmm. saying that shit. Mm-hmm. And it seems like when they talk, they kind of go back. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they yeah. have some history. Um, that's something where I, I have no idea. Someone who knows more, Josh, someone. Yeah, that, was, that seemed like to be foreshadowing. So the thing is, anytime they spend any amount of screen time on a conversation like that, it has to mean something. Because real estate is so slim yep. now in these final episodes. Like That's why I brought up the Grey Worm, Masande, Danny conversation. Yeah. Like, that has to eventually mean something. Especially if they're leaving episodes at 50 minutes. Yeah. I think... I think that the last couple episodes of the season, there's eight. I, I thought there's only seven. Oh, seven. Yeah, there's seven. Um, I think the last couple are long. I think you're right. Like they run That's what I've heard. longer than the hour. Yeah. Um, either way, I, I am actually like kind of way in on this season now. Like these last am, two yeah, episodes have me won too. me over big me time. Me too. Me too. I'm pretty excited. I'm very excited for yeah. the ne- for the next few um, episodes. I think that the early part of the season was a little holdoverish of. Mm-hmm. Uh, previous seasons, I agree, and the tone of like how it was a little bit le- more, like way more table setting yeah, and I, stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, let us know what you think. Uh, nice to see feedback, by the way, from yeah. big friend of the pod, Kelsey. Yeah, big shout, big shout to you. Thanks for listening all the way. Um, any other listeners, if you get to this point and you like Thrones, yeah, let us know what you think. I'm interested mm-hmm. to know. Yep. All right, you ready to dive in? I am. Okay. I'm going to bust out our tagline again. I'm all in on that tagline. Okay. Um, Ready? Three, two, one.